Welcome to Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. As discussed last week, a pattern can be observed in the selection of readings during the Easter season, which departs from what we have typically come to expect. Instead of a first Old Testament reading, we have selections from the Acts of the Apostles. The second lesson is a semi-continuous reading from 1 Peter in year A, Revelation in year C, and this year from 1 John. This makes for a different kind of symphonic effect than what we have come to expect. This is particularly true of the usual Old Testament and Gospel reading linkages and associations. We have come to identify and appreciate when these two parts of Scripture are placed next to one another as bringing into focus the gospel of Old Testament and New Testament in coordination, in symphonic harmony, to use our language. There's a certain irony, then, that this more typical pattern is departed from during the Easter season. Given that in the resurrection accounts, which predominate on the first three Sundays, an obvious central theme is the emphasis on the disclosing role of the scriptures of Israel, the Old Testament. We see it today in Luke's that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In view for Luke is also not just the way the suffering, death, and raising of Jesus are in accordance with the scriptures, but also the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. He is charging the disciples to carry forth Luke says he opens their minds so that this according significance might be grasped and then conveyed and put in motion. And the Acts of the Apostles will pick up where Luke leaves off with this theme. We see it in our lesson for today, about which more in a moment. Later in Acts 17... Paul happily sets aside three whole weeks for an Old Testament Bible study, seeking to establish at Thessalonica the gospel as arising from the scriptures. What a lively set of Bible studies that will have been. This is helpful to note because what Luke is referring to here is the global hearing of the Old Testament as this transpires in the early church. That is, a hearing from beginning to end 
and not a search for proof texts or isolated passages. Here, our lectionary system is helpful in the way it sets forth the full range of notes from the scriptures. In the Emmaus Road story, which precedes our reading for today, a story we hear in year A, we're not to imagine a burning within the hearts of the disciples as the scriptures are opened, a roster of favorite proof texts capable of being reeled off during a seven-mile trip from Jerusalem. Rather, what Luke is getting at with the phrase, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, is something like the inexhaustible and indispensable role of the Old Testament scriptures from beginning to end, in conveying the full significance of Christ in all his activity, now being grasped in the life of the church. The Gospel of John has his own version of this same idea, as we have seen. During Jesus' life, John narrates to us, the readers, the scriptures spoke of him, but the disciples there present beside him failed to grasp or understand them. Later, however, John tells us, they would begin yielding up their riches. The same beloved disciple at the cross is the lone exception to this failure to grasp. And filled with the Spirit, he serves as a model for future Christian apprehension. He who saw it bears witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. For these things took place that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him will be broken. And another, again, another Scripture says, They shall look on him whom they have pierced and another, and another, and another, John might well have gone on to say. I use the word irony because at this very same season, the Old Testament is replaced by Acts. Yet the significance is registered in the lectionary all the same. The truth of the passion and resurrection and indeed the full life of Jesus to which the scriptures point and which they disclose will not amount to just selections of isolated Old Testament passages. Luke is rather pointing to a new kind of mindset about the scriptures. And this mindset, the church is to remember, was set in motion by Christ himself. During his life, in John's Gospel, chapter 5, we hear, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. And if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Before Abraham was, I am. And this theme of the opening of the Scriptures is especially focused on 
as we see in the accounts of his risen life given by Luke and also in John's Gospel. As noted, our Gospel reading for today is the conclusion of Luke's resurrection appearances. And we need to look a little more carefully at how this unfolds. Luke's initial visit to the tomb, like that of Mark, has the women see that a tomb is empty and nothing more. It is angelic testimony that assures them he is not dead but risen. And this report, as it is conveyed to the eleven, is taken by them as nonsense. The Emmaus Road story, which follows the initial appearance, or empty tomb, I should say, and which precedes our lesson for today, speaks of appearances to two unnamed disciples. Yet we have to be careful in describing the character of what we might mean by the word appearance. It's on later reflection that the two unnamed disciples speak of their hearts burning when on the road a stranger opened the scriptures to them. The eyes that were kept from seeing on the road are not, are not opened later to him due to better lighting or a decision by Jesus to bring himself into frame in some new bodily risen way. Rather, it is in the breaking of the bread that Luke says he is recognized and then he vanishes immediately from human sight. At this moment, the scriptures disclosing power is grasped by them as having burned previously on the road, now having been themselves grasped in the breaking of the bread. It will have been a busy Easter day. It is evening, and the day is for them not over. Back they go to Jerusalem. Here they learn that Peter has been gifted by an appearance, but this is otherwise not narrated by Luke. As the two relate their day, their heady day to the eleven and others, suddenly Jesus appears, now in his risen body. This risen body, brokered now not by bread-breaking, or the retrospective comprehension of a scripture lesson like no other, but a risen body standing before them as a death-defied flesh-and-bone body, which terrifies them. As perhaps also with Mary, it's the voice that carries them to a less terrified, less confounded recognition. The phrase is a Lucan winner. They are in a current, tumbling in waters of what he calls disbelieving for joy. The body which is a risen and different one, 
Surely that has been established well enough. Is all the same a body of continuity, an identity, a voice, a form, and a function. But none of this is for its own sake alone, but pours into now a second more obvious immersion in Scripture by a teacher, not a stranger. And the creation of a new mindset, now appropriate to his new risen reality and theirs as well. Luke's concern for repentance and forgiveness as a message, bringing the scriptures and risen Lord into conjunction, plays itself out in the Acts of the Apostles and our lesson for this morning. And in the first instance, the nations to be addressed within the scope of this message of repentance and forgiveness are God's own people, Israel. The tone is sharp, harsh. Peter rebukes his fellow Israelites for their failure properly to understand the fact of healing and the agent of the healing they have witnessed as the risen Christ himself. You preferred a murderer to the author of life But a better word, I think, than harsh or sharp is urgent or concerned. You did not know what you did, as Luke might have put it, imitating Jesus' words on the cross. As Peter says, you acted in ignorance. Yet in all this, God was unrolling his plan from long ago. The scriptures were being fulfilled. The very ones Israel had been graced to carry in her life with God. The oracles of God entrusted to the Jews, as Paul puts it in Romans. Repentance, the repentance placed before them from the mouth of Peter, is preaching as by the Lord's command, the risen Lord, consistent with these oracles, not to condemn, but to bring new life. Repent, turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. You acted in ignorance, but new life and new forgiveness is now before you. The Psalms that we hear on Sundays often give the words and We can hear them today in various of the lines. Know that the Lord does wonders for the faithful. When I call upon him, he hears me. The call of Israel to God then, of Israel before Peter, standing before a message of repentance and forgiveness, and for the Israel of the church today. All who have this hope, so 1 John, all who have this hope 
purify themselves just as he is pure. Sin can break into our new life, as we heard last week in John, the letter of John, but it cannot have the abiding place, for we, who we are, will be revealed in him, and those who abide in him will see themselves in him when we meet him face to face. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of Scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto. 